music. It brings us all together. Whether it's hip-hop, jazz, classical, soul, funk, new age, heavy metal, punk rock, dance, folk, disco, ska. No matter what side of the train track the musician's from, they have stories. This is And Now You Know. Musicians have the best stories, and you'll get them here. We'll talk music history, stories from the road, and hear about some of the best moments in music. Welcome to And Now You Know. Now your host, Tim Fortner. He's so creative, and he couldn't shut the creativity off. He couldn't sit still for very long. But he didn't reveal that to us at that time, really. Mm -hmm. Today's episode of And Now You Know, we'll be talking to Dr. Matt Fink of Prince and the Revolution, New Power Generation, and a lot of other neat things that uh, the doc has going on. Let's go right into it. Let's get started and hear what the doctor ordered. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a, a special treat for you today. We have Matt, Dr. Fink. You might remember... Dr. Fink or Matt from uh, earlier years, but he still is rocking today. He, uh, Dr. Fink came from Prince and the Revolution, and he's currently touring still, if I'm uh, if I'm correct, with the Revolution. Um, and a lot of different, uh, a lot of different things he's got going on. So we're just going to talk about that today. Thanks for being with us. I sure do appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, I'm glad to be here. You know, I, I always like meeting new people and putting the word out about uh, things that we're up to and I'm up to. You know. Well, that's great. Yeah. So I, I generally start my interviews off. I just want to know what, what got you into music? I'd probably have to say my parents. You okay. know, uh, they introduced me to music at a very young age and then allowed me the opportunity to take uh, some piano lessons and things uh, with other instruments when I was growing up. Uh, so that was, started doing that when I was about six and a half, seven, I think, oh, you know, wow. having a teacher. And my older brother, you know, he uh, was taking lessons ahead of me. So I had his him as, as an example to, uh, you know, show me the way as well. And then my parents were uh, very musically inclined, both of them. And then they were also uh, both in the theater arts as well, and way more extensively than music, though. So they, they kind of brought me into both of those uh, places. And uh, so I did some acting early on in my life as well, but I didn't pursue that as a career. Uh, I, I kind of there was a fork in the road kind of choice happened at, <laughs> at one point for me. And, yeah, I went the, the, the music path. Okay. Of course, it, it kind of crossed paths with the, the movie later on with Purple Rain and some other things I've done. But, you know, that's nothing. Right. So, so I mean, it is more dominated by music. But go ahead. Well, Sorry. yeah. So so starting out, it, it sounds like that. Uh, you know, throughout school, if I'm if I'm guessing right, throughout growing up, you were really interested in music. Was it always keyboards? No, no. Um, I I really liked the drums a lot growing up too. So I was playing drums for fun and 
messed around. But whenever I was in a band, you know, it was like, there. well, we always had to have a live guy playing drums. So there was the dedicated drummer in the band, and I usually didn't want to, you know, take over for him. And then, of course, eventually, my when I started out so young at like 12 years old, playing in my first band with a bunch of neighborhood guys, kids. So, uh the uh, so it, so what happened is you know he got better than me anyway you know I, but I sh- I kind of showed him a few things when we were kids that I had figured out and uh, we we started jamming together that drummer's name was John Neifeld when we were like uh, nine eight nine years old at his house he hadn't didn't have a drum set yet though really he kind of got it a little bit after that but he had a piano. So I would go over there and play piano and he was playing the piano a little bit too. So we'd mess around on piano and eventually he got his drum kit. And then we started messing around just playing. And then by the time we were 12, uh, that's when we put together a bunch of kids in the neighborhood that lived right on the, either on the same block as we did or a few blocks away. (laughs) And, and the nucleus of those people of that group of guys, um, kids, uh, went through high school together. And so, uh, but, you know, there were a few changes in that, in that group along the way, but not much, you know, just a couple different members came and went and, uh, but me and that drummer and the bass player and the, the guitar player were the main thing, you know, for throughout high school, junior high and high school. So when did you first start recording? Oh, I don't know. Uh, let me guess here. Probably when I was uh, maybe 1920, right in there. You know, we were doing just for fun. We were recording ourselves on, you know, just a stereo tape deck, reel to reel for rehearsals and stuff like that. But no, not nothing officially in the studio until, until I was about, uh, yeah, 18, 19, right in there, 19-ish, I think. Okay. Now, where 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 were you? Uh, were you independent pretty much before uh, before the Prince years, or or how'd that work out? Yeah, I I, I played in like a few bands, cover bands, locally touring around the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And I remember the one of the guitarists in one of those groups was starting to write material. He had gone to the Berkeley School of Music in Boston and was. Uh, you know, starting to write his own kind of jazz, Latin influenced uh, fusion right. music. Uh, his name is Will Sumner. Still a good friend of mine. In fact, we were communicating the other day. He was he was here in town. He used to live here, but he's, he lives out on the West Coast now. Has for many years. So he he was just briefly in town, and uh, yeah, he he was a great guitar player. And and I record. He was the first person I believe I worked in the studio with on his material. He was like, you know, like he was older than me by about five years, though. Five years. Okay. So then, when I met when I was working with him, I was twenty, I think, at the time, and he was twenty-five. And then it wasn't t- too long after that that I, that I auditioned for Prince. So did was there just an opening, or did you know you 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 hear stories or read about stories where uh, Prince discovered? somebody you know in a club or or something like that how how did that come about well because i was literally on the ground floor of the prince group in 1978 Mm -hmm. you know he had spent oh at least eight or nine months trying to find people to be in his band 
after he released the first album. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the end of that year, when that album came out, I believe it was the spring of 78. So by October, I managed to get an audition through Bobby Rifkin, Bobby Z, the drummer at that time, mm -hmm. the original drummer, because I knew Bobby growing up. And he had kind of introduced me to Prince's music when he was trying to get a record deal. He hadn't gotten it yet. So I just was aware of Prince's aspirations and his presence, although I hadn't met him yet because Bobby was working for uh, Prince's manager or first manager, Owen Husney at that time. So uh, when it came time for Prince to look for keyboardists, I threw my hat in the ring immediately and just said, hey, you know, I'd love to meet him and try to schedule an audition if, if it's okay with you guys. And they, they did. They went to Prince for me, his manager and Bobby. And then Prince said, okay, because they'd been looking for quite a while. He hadn't like settled on anybody yet. Mm -hmm. So, so that's, that's uh, how that relationship began was through Bobby and Owen at that time. So uh, went into the audition and uh, fortunately he decided to uh, bring me on board at that time. So at, at that time, who all was in the band? Uh, do you remember at, at that time yeah. when first started? Yeah, yeah, it was Gail Chapman on the other keyboard rig, who was already in the group because I was the last person to be put into the group at that time. And then you had Des Dickerson on guitar, Andre Simone on bass, Bobby on Z, Riff Z on drums, and then Prince. And that was the, the lineup in that first incarnation. So about what album was that? That was for you, the very first album. And then that group also uh, toured on the second album, which was just simply titled Prince, which had the single I Want to Be Your Lover. Right, right. And that's, of course, what everybody says uh, uh, took took him off, you know, that he just really took off, even though I like the earlier uh, Prince as well. Yeah. Yeah, the first record is a cool album. You know, when you go back and revisit it, I mean, you'll, it's kind of like, you know what I liken it to quite a bit? I liken it to uh, Meet the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Beatles record. I mean, you know, Love Me Do and songs like that. They were quite really rudimentary by today's standards from an arrangement and melody and chordal movement standpoint. And then, of course, the Beatles, you know, they just progressed on and broke all kinds of new ground, much like Prince did. So, um that's how I compare those two records in a lot of ways. That was Prince's first record. And he and, and it's impressive, highly impressive to me. Because uh, when I heard it, um, I thought it was just for his age and where he was coming from, I thought it was genius. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Warner Brothers saw that. Otherwise, you know, why else would they not have signed him? But uh, yeah, just the opening alone with the, the otherworldly acapella vocal falsetto vocals he does on the song for you is just uh, gives me chills to this day sure so from there um so uh, right around purple rain is when he when when he started revolution yeah well basically i mean the 1999 album you know there's always been a little bit of controversy amongst uh observers and fans and even mm -hmm. amongst band members when Prince actually coined the name Prince and the Revolution. Mm -hmm. so, so if you look at the album cover, 
1999, there's like a little football-like object dotting the eye of Prince. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's drawn by him, and it says Revolution Backwards. Were you aware of that? I was not. I'll have to take a look at it now. Check that out. It was, again, <laughs> I mean, who else used to play tricks like that, right? Right, I mean, right. And he, you know, Prince did that. But that's where you see Revolution. And he, he also, you know, referred to the word revolution in earlier lyrics, you know, like Party Up and Dirty Mind album, you know. And uh, so he, he always had revolution going on in the back of his mind as something that he wanted to be an, a word that was went along with his philosophy. So anyway, uh, yes, but he, then it, when it really was out front was the Purple Rain album for sure. Right. So the album, of course, uh, for the audience, I'm I'm hoping everybody understands that the album basically was the soundtrack for the movie Purple Rain. Um, How was that? I mean, you you said you had some acting experience before, which I don't guess there was a lot of acting needed in in Purple Rain. Um, But what what were your thoughts on that? What's your take? Well, for me, the acting and for the band generally was just, more facial expressions and being there and showing emoting, so to speak, from from the standpoint of, you know, facial expressions. But we each had a few lines. Mm-hmm. Wendy and Lisa had the most lines. I had one classic funny line. And Bobby had his line. And Mark didn't get any lines, unfortunately. <laughs> he Prince made him the Harpo Marks of the group. But, you know, re- regardless, it... Yeah, we we had to have an acting coach come in in the summer of 1983. Prince brought an acting coach and a dance instructor, both. Wow. I could see the dance instructor, you know, just for his different moves. And he, he, well, you know what? It was, he joined in on some of the stuff early on, but then he was gone. And then eventually, what's funny is the, the, it was, it wasn't mandatory. So, it, people went in the first few weeks of the whole dance guy, you know, and, right. and then coming in to teach people moves or whatever. And it's just slowly dwindled out to where you'd see maybe Apollonia and Jill Jones there, you know, doing the Jane Fonda workout or whatever with this That's guy. Right. And I personally, for me, because I came from the theater background and also some dance instruction at the uh, school i went to this uh, summer school for a few mm-hmm. years in my teen years at the children's theater company which was part of the minneapolis institute of arts mm-hmm. so i had dance and i had acting classes and all that stuff and music too all of it was, was happening there it was a really cool place and um so i went to these dance to the dance instructor things quite a bit and i'd be the only guy there after a while i was the only guy and it'd be Jill Jones and Apollonia, and we would do the Jane Fonda workout to get that is great. with the guy to the video. He'd be leading it. And then we, I'll never forget his name. His name is John Command. Anyway, John <laughs> Command was doing the the uh, rehearsals. And, um, and that was it. And then eventually it, he kind of got phased out. And then the acting coach, too, kind of got phased out after a while, too. Mm-hmm. He had us doing exercises for a couple months, you know, at our rehearsal space. And then eventually it was all, you know, whatever, because, you know, we were going to have a couple lines. That's it. It's like we were like, it was almost overkill for what we were going to do. Right. You know, but uh, but it was fun and it was a good thing. 
So, 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 and it, and it's, you know, you've got a lot of memories, I'm sure. So you, you go from purple rain and of course there's how many tours did you do with that? Tours? Well, I mean, I'm sure there were, I'm sure there were many stops around the world because of just because oh, purple of purple rain and purple rain. Right. Well, the, that tour, uh, only took place in the United States. Really? And when it came time to tour Europe, Japan, and Australia, Prince decided not to. Oh, okay. So he, he, we'd been in the United States for six and a half months straight, pretty much. And he didn't want to burn out along with the rest of us. Cause I'd, I'd run into Van Halen on tour earlier on in the eighties when I'd be, I'd go see Van Halen when they'd be Mm -hmm. here in Minneapolis. And I, I met with, uh, Eddie after the show one time and the whole band was backstage, but I talked to him exclusively and he just said, we've been out here all like a year and I'm going home tomorrow. I can't wait to get home. It's been insane. And I go, you guys have been out here a year. Prince never tours that long. He's the most he's ever done is six months. So I was surprised. So I didn't, and, and I didn't realize some of these, you know, super groups like, and they were label mates on Warner brothers with us. So, I just, I was surprised by that because I didn't, I didn't know at that time. And that was like about 1981, I think, when I met Van Halen for the, and he told me that. Now, you know, fast forward to 84, 85 for the Purple Rain tour, mm-hmm. and he, Prince opted out of that sort of hmm. mass world tour. Uh, and I, he never said why totally, but at the end of the Purple Rain tour, tour, a couple weeks before it was to end in the in the United States, I assumed we were going to go to Europe and Australia and Japan, all that. And he took us aside as a group and said, um, after the last show here on this leg of the tour, I'm we're we're done for now. I go really, you know, we all went well. Really, why? Why aren't we going to Europe? And he just said, I just he, he couldn't give me he couldn't give us a real clear answer right. other than. We're, I'm taking a hike. We're all going to go on hiatus. That's how mm-hmm. we put it. And you guys can all do whatever you want to do in the interim. And you'll be on payroll. So, you know, you won't be wanting for money. And that was like, wow, who gets that in life? Yeah, no from someone in the music industry, you're just going, holy buckets. So, and, and up to that point, you know, we were just sort of hired hand sidemen. But up uh, then, you know, on that album, we really had a bigger role in creating the record and he knew that so i i just he's it looked like we were going to take a long break he almost said like two years he said oh, wow yeah so yeah, that, that led into about the around the world in a day and um, then that well the issue with that record unreally un, unbeknownst to, to me that album was done by the end of the purple rain tour Wow. Maybe even by the middle of it. He he had it sitting on a shelf waiting to release, but he made it sound at that moment that you're not going to go uh, on the road for a while and we're not going to do anything because this was so big. Was, the message was Purple Rain was so big. I just, we got to take a break from it, you know, mm-hmm. and let it marinate for a while. And I'm thinking to myself, well, why aren't you at least going to mm-hmm. tour the rest of the planet like we should be doing? And he just couldn't bring himself to do it. He was, he had already moved on to the next project in his mind. So he's so creative and he, he couldn't shut the creativity off. He couldn't sit still for very long. But he didn't reveal that 
to us at that time, really. Mm-hmm. He just kind of said, you're taking a break. You guys can do solo albums, go produce other artists, not do anything if you don't want to do. You know, and I'm just going, well, okay, fine. <laughs> and then within like two months, from that point after the tour ended, within two to three months, he takes us in for a meeting and, and plays the whole, introduces the whole Around the World in the Day album. On there, of course, Wendy and Lisa had a hand in quite a bit of that record too mm-hmm. in the studio. So by then they were had once we were home from the Purple Rain tour. I think they did a bunch of more recording with him. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't involved. I was newly, kind of almost newly wed at the time, not quite. So Prince was leaving me alone, and uh, that was it. And the next thing you know, by the fall of that of, of 1985. He's already shooting videos for that and putting the record out. And we're going to start doing some gigs too. So it's funny. He just, uh, he can't sit still, even though he didn't want to reveal it at that time. He didn't want, mm-hmm. he wanted to do something new. So the original man of mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Even with us, you know, even with the group, he, he was secretive about certain things. So uh, then you, you uh, stayed on board uh new power generation yeah okay and and how long how long were you there uh that was uh four years from late 1986 until you know the end of 1990 right in there okay four years so how did you how did uh did did prince pretty much uh come up with with uh coined the term dr fink or how did that uh no not exactly um so go back to late 1979 mm-hmm. i'm on tour with the, touring the second album the i want to be your lover album mm-hmm. and the first album for this this is for the rick james fire it up tour and we were uh tapped to be the opening act Mm-hmm. for that and that was just right at the tail end of 79 going into 80 and then that tour lasted to, you know till late april and we that was our first kind of like being in an arena opening up with a, a major label act like that and it was really eye-opening and a lot of fun so uh uh so we were in chicago and it's the third show of the tour and Rick James had this one song called Bustin' Out of L7, like a cell block in a jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'd come out wearing a big, thick, striped jail outfit, jail, mm-hmm. you know, like a prisoner outfit. And then he'd tear it off in the middle of the song. And at that time, I was wearing a jailbird suit, just like that, was my stage look. Mm-hmm. So Prince was worried that the the headliner was wearing a jail suit on that song, the headliner, and then I'm wearing a jail suit and we're opening it up for for him. Mm -hmm. And so he comes to me and he says, you know, Rick is wearing a jail suit on that one song. I don't think you should have a jail suit now. I go, did Rick tell you to tell me to stop wearing it or something? He goes, no, no, that's just me. I just think it's a little funny. So... I want you to switch up your image. And then he asked me to come up with a different idea. And that was the Dr. Frank thing. How cool is that? Yeah. So, so, and what just came to my mind was the, 
Rolling Stones gig. Were you with him when he, uh, during that? I was the doctor by then, yeah. Okay. By so, then we had finished the Brick James tour, and then we were asked to do that. So that what tour. was that first concert like? I mean, I've read oh, about it, but I've never... Oh, the Stones concert? The, right, right. The Stones uh, experience, as I like to call it. Absolutely. Their unruly uh, white supremacist biker crowd started throwing things at us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what happened. Now, fortunately, it wasn't like the majority of the audience, but unfortunately, they were up front and they were still using Hell's Angels as their bodyguards. Oh, my gosh. Now, I know the Hell's Angels, you know, weren't throwing stuff at us. Right. But probably some of their friends and or followers were. Right. So they decided it would be a good thing to look at the mixed race gender band coming out doing rock and roll was not a cool thing. So they were upset and threw stuff at us. And, you know, Prince had to leave the stage, you know, not even halfway through the set. Right. And he, I saw a bottle, a fifth of whiskey, misses head. It came, it came within that close. It must've skimmed him and just missed him. And then that's when I, I don't even think he was aware that it barely missed him, but, uh, then I got clobbered right in the temple with a crumpled up large Coca-Cola, you know, those waxy mm -hmm. cups, you know. But when that thing is hurled fast, mm -hmm. like a fastball and it's crumpled, it it hurts. That hurt. It did. It really it really kind of shocks you that somebody would, would have the audacity to attack performers on stage like that. I mean, it just it was disgusting. And, all and I will add all because of of the mixture of race and oh i'm assuming it was the music oh, I'm, I'm saying and that i'm yeah i'm assuming that that's what part of it was and or the disdain of what he looked like or right. the content of one of the songs like sister which maybe they knew or didn't know the the, the lyrics to regardless but even later when when mick took the stage they threw shoes at him and even some were tied together and they were thrown up on stage. It got to the point where I don't know what song prompted this, but the whole front of the stage was covered in people's shoes. I'll never forget that. And even they were even rude to, to Mick. And Mick actually said, you know, I ain't a fucking doormat, you know. <laughs> That's what he said. I'll never forget it as long as I live that he he actually you know, told the hecklers with their shoes to, you know, cut it out and grow up, kids. And I'm so it was, weird. it was weird. I'm surprised the angels didn't uh, put a stop to that. In they, way. Maybe they did. And I didn't see that. <laughs> but regardless, I just thought, you know, uh, the experience was, was really uh, disconcerting. Prince literally got on a plane and flew back to Minneapolis right after that show. Mick Jagger called him and apologized and begged him to come back to do the next show, which, okay, so this was a Friday night, and then there's a mm -hmm. day off Saturday, and then there's a Sunday show. And he flew back, and we did the show, and the same thing happened again, and we had to cut the set short and leave the stage. Yeah, it's just, it was just unfortunate. And, you know, we never ran into that ever with our fans, obviously, right. but when you go in, you know, and Prince said, hey, look, it's not our crowd. Just let it, just forget about it. We're moving on. And our our followers and fans will never do that to us. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I knew that that was the case. So it's just, 
<laughs> I can say it was an interesting experience. So, so what about the, um, so after new power generation, mm-hmm. what, um, after you, after, uh, I guess you, uh, you know, left the band there or, or however it happened. So what'd you do after that? I just became an independent, uh, studio owner slash music producer and uh, had a studio in my home at that time. And then when I, uh, let's see, I left the group at the end of 1990. So by 95, I, uh, where you see me in this here is, is my studio in my home, but not the one I had back then. I, I moved from that one and Mm -hmm. put a different one in, in a different place, you know, in 95, but I just be, started doing that and uh just been doing that ever since pretty much and playing live whenever i can you know uh but starting and uh, early 2016 i went to work for a tech company for a while here in minneapolis okay so Did six and a half years with them uh until march of a year ago when they unfortunately due to the pandemic had to shut down 50 percent of their divisions in that company wow ours. Because it's music, it was music business oriented, amongst other things. But that's not what I started doing for them in the beginning. But uh, it was, you know, maybe they'll get back on track again. I just don't know when. But uh, regardless of that, you know, it had a record label, it had artists signed, and all kinds of stuff going on there. But uh, very difficult to launch in the midst of a two-year lockdown, basically, with musicians trying to get absolutely promote themselves. So we're yeah, that's where it is. And we're, we're just kind of crawling out of this mess right now, you know? Right. So what about the revolution, the, you know, the revolution couldn't tour either, but go ahead. Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was going on to was uh, what, what's, what about the revolution? What, uh, um, are y'all still doing some gigs every now and then? Not lately. Uh, we haven't done anything together live since late 2019. And, and the last time we really worked was on the uh, Prince tribute Grammy show back in that it was recorded in late January of 2020 and then aired in April of 2020. So that was the last thing we did. Um, we are, we have been talking lately about, you know, what we may do for the 40th anniversary of the Purple Rain recording, which was at First Avenue in 1983 and August 3rd of 83. So we're, we're looking at hoping to do something around that and something in a few things next year but as it stands um uh, wendy and lisa are doing their underscore soundtrack work for a couple shows out mm-hmm. on the west coast television and that takes up a lot of their time so we have to really plan things right you know around everyone's schedule True. including mine because i've got a lot going on myself so we have to coordinate and, but we're talking about it so that that those dates are kind of set aside roughly in our minds right now we're just exploring it right now so sure do you uh, do you ever go over uh uh, like i guess with the uh uh how do i get around just talking about it uh i guess the anniversary of his death do you do you ever have anything to do with the it's not a celebration i don't guess but just the uh everything going on over it is over this place there in minneapolis yeah, I, I'm usually around for things. Yeah, but usually the you know we kind of wait till his birthday time, right? 
more so than his passing. I feel it's more somber. And I don't know. Some people perform around his his anniversary, like right. past. I don't know. I don't know if I could. Right. It, it was hard enough for me to even do a show with the following day after he passed. I was doing a gig, and I had to do it because I was under contract. Right. Yeah. Do you ever hear from Dez? I know he's down in Nashville now. And uh, what- yeah, yeah, we've been in touch over the years. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's what's going on with you now? You're you're uh, you said you're doing some producing and and uh, you know just hopefully everything will come out of the pandemic pretty soon and start. I yeah. Mean, yeah, and I, I I'm producing and performing on some people's records you know i've been just adding keyboards for people all over the place because you can do stuff right here you just you can be on there's special software now where you can actually have people live with you on sessions in real time and play for them in fact i did something like that for somebody over in berlin the other day and it was really cool you know i do that a lot these days so especially with the pandemic, you know, <laughs> so, right. Uh, but uh, yeah. And then uh, now I'm getting out and I'm going to be doing some gigs coming up here. I don't know. Did you see anything in social media that's booked that I'm doing? I have not people. Okay. So um, I'm going to plug a few things here. Absolutely. I want you to, yeah, this, this is uh, first of all, um, I'd just like to start out and talk about my son, Max, who's Please. in history now, and he goes by the name of Max Millie spelled M-V-X-M-I-L-L-I. And he's out in Los Angeles. He's producing all kinds of interesting stuff right now. For wow. people. And, and releasing his own uh, uh, solo material. How Very, cool is that? Taking, yeah. And you have to be a proud dad. I am. I'm really quite proud of him and really like, enjoy what he's writing, too. You know? So... Uh, just for example, um, there's this nonprofit label out uh, based in the San Francisco area. It's called Future Youth Records, which I've been working with since 2013. I brought my son into the fold in spring of 2019 mm-hmm. to work on a project with them. And that one was the first thing we did overseas. And we worked at P- Peter Gabriel's Real World Studios. Wow. For that project and we and and the the aim of the whole thing is to work with uh young people who haven't had a chance to work in the studio who are underprivileged and may have some budding talent and then we go in and and work with these kids and it's a non-profit and we get backing from different organizations and corporations to do this and uh, it's worked out really well there's been some excellent material coming out of that stuff and um the last project that uh, my son was involved with out in Los Angeles. I couldn't make it for that one. Was him working with John Lennon's son, Julian Lennon, mm-hmm. on a remake of the song uh, called Saltwater, which I believe was released in 91. So uh, they had the keyboardist um, from Toto also involved. Steve Percaro. Uh So he had, and, and then the uh, guitarist from Wings with Paul McCartney was also involved with this remake, and it's coming out shortly. I don't know the exact date of release, but this is going to be an important single coming out, and it's a, it's another statement on our uh, 
problem with climate change and what you know battle with it actually at this point mm-hmm. back then i mean he wrote this song about climate change and taking care of the earth and this was like back in 91 mm-hmm. uh julian lennon wrote that song wow so what what uh what label are they going to be on this is future youth records okay gotcha, gotcha. i was telling you about and uh, you can go to if you, whoever's listening go to their website uh futureyouthrecords.org and you'll be able to hear a lot of the projects that have been done in the past in the recent past and my son has helped produce a lot of that stuff and of course i was involved too on some of these things but uh then you know moving forward from my son's career and what he's doing um i'll be doing kind of a mini tour coming up here starting in minnesota on uh, may 5th out in oakland california and this is with saint paul who is the leader of the group this is paul peterson from the old group the family which okay. Prince produced oh, back yeah. in the day and uh so paul is fronting this group called saint paul and the minneapolis funk all stars which is comprised of minneapolis prince player alumni you know that were either from the mpg I'm I'm the only one from the revolution at this time representing that, but How cool because, that? You know, because the revolution is not touring right now, right. they've asked me to come aboard. But Paul's been doing this for years, for the last six years at least, of course, minus the pandemic. But he started right. doing it in late 2015, and uh, so I'm fortunate to be invited. I really think it's a cool group, and and you can you can all check it out on uh, the website which is uh, St. Paul and the Minneapolis Funk All-Stars. You can see all the dates, and there's going to be some more dates probably popping up in the summer, hopefully. And for sure, we're going to be playing at the Minnesota State Fair September 3rd and 4th. How cool is that? Yeah. And that's that's going to be fun just to, you know, reminisce and... Yeah. But but the the, the thing about uh, this group is that it encompasses like all kinds of material from mm-hmm. G the time Prince of the revolution Prince before the revolution, you right. know, it's got, it runs the whole spectrum. The of, of Prince yeah. material. Yeah. And we're also performing some original material that Paul has on his new release. That's great. Yeah. My so, friend, I, I appreciate you taking the time and, and, um, it's an honor to talk to you and, and I appreciate you, uh, welcome. Um, you know, opening up and and uh, hope I didn't touch on any any sensitive topics there and and uh, nothing it's... sensitive, nothing sensitive. All right, okay. ladies and gentlemen, Doctor Fink. Thank you and have a great day, my friend. You've been listening to And Now You Know, from pop to doo-wop, from bluegrass to hip-hop. No matter the music, the musicians always have stories. And our passion is to bring them from their mouths to your ears. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Facebook at And Now You Know. Send your emails to andnowyouknowtim at gmail.com. See you next time.